So we're going to start with a mini theology lesson. So don't shut down when we start. Yes, this is like school to start off with. When we talk about tradition in theology, we actually talk about two different ideas of tradition. And the way that we kind of play that out when we write it is we talk about capital T tradition and lowercase t tradition. And in our Catholic faith, what we mean by that is big T tradition are those things that will never change. No matter how long human history exists, they will always remain. Like God is one in three persons. Doesn't matter what happens, that truth will always remain. Then the lowercase t traditions are those things that change with time, with culture, with people, that help us understand those big T traditions. So the way that we pray and the devotions that we have in the church. So for example, the mass. The Eucharist will always be the Eucharist. That will never change. The words that the priest speaks, this, take this all of you and eat of it, will never change. But those of you who have been around the church for many years know that the way in which we've celebrated the Eucharist has changed. Or maybe some of you have even seen a change between Father Francis and myself or Father Daniel and myself. Some small traditions in the way that we celebrate this Eucharist changes. Big T, no change. Small T, lots of change over time. We see that even with Christmas. We each have our own traditions that we use to celebrate Christmas. But for most of us, if not all of us, those traditions have changed over time. Whether it was from when you were a child, when you got married, some of those traditions probably had to change because two different traditions were coming together. And then when you had children that were young, that was Christmas in one way. When children are alone, no longer home, traditions change. But Christmas never does. Christmas is always Christmas. But we don't like change. We avoid change. Why? Well, I think one of the reasons why we don't like change and we resist it is because we mix these smaller things with the bigger thing. So when a tradition of Christmas changes, let's say we can't have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve because of whatever reason, one family can't come or father changes the mass times or whatever it is, <laughs> you can't have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve, it feels like you're stealing Christmas. But are you? And for a lot of things in our life, change comes that way. One small thing changes, but what we feel inside is like something more important that should never change is changing. And so we resist the change. But here's why change is important. Because what St. Paul points us to today is that change is linked to hope. And if we do not change, we lose hope. How do we know that? Well, if you've ever experienced a situation where you felt despair, or if you've ever encountered someone who despairs of life, what's the thing that they say? Ah, things will never change. Oh, people never change. Change is tied to hope. And so we need 
to change. We know we do. We say, well, change is inevitable. But what ends up happening is things change around us and interiorly, we still resist it. So even though we acknowledge that change always happens, we resist the change in ourself. But what if Mary refused to change? I mean, she was immaculately conceived, conceived without sin, but she was engaged to be married to Joseph. One night, an angel came, came to her and said that she would bear the Son of God, and now she was to be ever-virgin. What if she refused that change? Or today in the Gospel with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is at the River Jordan. The River Jordan is a very significant place of change for the Jewish people because after 40 years in the desert, crossing over the Jordan River was the moment that they entered the Promised Land. It was leaving the old behind and starting their new life. And so it was significant that John the Baptist was baptizing them in the River Jordan, preparing them for the coming of Christ. Because the word that should come to mind for us as Christians every time we think of change is what St. John says today. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near to you. For us as Christians, change is always tied to repentance. And repentance is either a turning back to what we should have never left, or changing of our perspective, of our understanding. We need to be willing to change. Because to change leads us closer into union with God. This is why we need to change. This is why we need to be humble enough to acknowledge in ourselves that change is necessary, that repentance is necessary for every one of us. But what we hold on to is that there's some things that never change. We have to hold on to that, otherwise the idea of change becomes overwhelming and we continue to resist it. That's why St. Paul in the letter to the Romans says, these scriptures were written for you so that you could come to know God. Or in our baptism, our soul is changed so that we forevermore in our life have a divine orientation. The only thing that will satisfy us after baptism is to be with God. That's the thing that will never change. And the rest might have to. But we have to be willing to admit that. The, the error of the Pharisees and the Sadducees today, what does St. John say? He says, you presume in yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. What are they saying? Well, we are Jewish sons of God, therefore we're good. And they're forgetting that even they need repentance. You and I, and even Mother Teresa, when she lived on this earth, needed to acknowledge our need for change, for repentance. Why? Because when we acknowledge a need to repent, we're saying, I'm not God, and I need God in my life. If we're unwilling to acknowledge that in our life, we're saying, I'm okay by myself and I don't really need God because I'm already what I need to be 
There's no need for change in my life. So if we need to change, how do we do it? How do we get past that hurdle of thinking that the whole world, our whole world will crumble if we have to change this one thing that we don't want to change? And I will give you a three-step guarantee to perfect change in your life right now today. No. Obviously, it doesn't work that way. But there are three things that I think are important to hold on to in the way that we attempt change in our life. So the first is to acknowledge that I need change, that I am imperfect, and that there's room for growth in a part of my life. If we're not willing to admit that to ourselves, it's pretty hard to change it. And we all know, definitely in other people, probably not in ourselves, but other people who just aren't willing to admit that they have flaws. Then once we're able to admit to ourselves and before God, I'm not perfect in this part of my life. There's something else that we have to do that I don't know if we always acknowledge we have to do. We have to grieve the loss of something. Because whenever we're asked to change, we have to let go of something. Sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes it's a bad thing. But even if it's a bad thing, we have to grieve its loss because something in us loved that thing. That's why we kept doing it. So we have to grieve the loss. Otherwise, what will happen is we end up in this cycle. I need to change, so I need to stop doing this thing. Oh, but I like this thing, so I'm going to do it again. But I need to change, but I'm going to do it again. And we get caught in that cycle, and we never move forward. We need to admit to ourselves, this is a loss. I loved this thing, or I loved something about this thing, or this person, or this event, and I have to let it go. I have to let it be with God. And then we have to know what we're moving forward to. Because if all we think about is, I have to let go of this thing, and now here I am, we have nothing to pull us forward. We have to know what our goal is that we're striving for. What am I living for? And not just what am I giving up in my life? So, there's this, if you've ever heard, seen the movie, The Mission, It's a movie with Robert De Niro and Liam Neeson and Jeremy Irons. It's about Jesuit missionaries in the Amazon. And the character of Robert De Niro, there's this wonderful scene in the movie. So he was not a Jesuit at the beginning of the movie. He was a mercenary. And he was in there to make his millions by taking advantage of the Amazonian people. And so he had taken advantage of them. He even killed some of them to take from them what he wanted to bring back to Europe. Then he finally, through a priest, sees the error of his ways and asks for a penance for himself worthy of the wrong that he's done. So the penance that is given to him is he has to drag around in a bag all of his armor that he wore as a mercenary. And he takes it everywhere. Now he's on his way to becoming a Jesuit priest. And he drags this armor everywhere he goes, reminding himself of what he did wrong in the past and of his need to change. And they're going into the jungle and they're climbing up cliffs and he's still dragging this armor behind him. And they're telling him, you've done your penance, you can let it go. And he goes, no, I can't. And then they finally encounter 
the people, the Amazonian people that he took advantage of. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. Maybe they want justice. And all you hear is them speak in their native language, and the chief sends one guy at him with a knife. And he cuts the bag off and throws it off the cliff into the river. And Robert De Niro just starts weeping. He admitted what he did wrong. He was finally able to leave behind and grieve what he had to leave behind. And now he could live for God. Or think of it in simpler terms. The car that you've had forever. There comes a point where you have to admit it costs too much money to fix it. I can't bring it to the mechanic again. But I loved this car. It served me for years. So I have to grieve the loss of that car. Why? Because I need a new car so that I'm safer on the road and I can actually get to where I'm going without breaking down every couple of weeks. Or when you're moving towards marriage. Why are you moving towards marriage? Because to be alone is not what we're intended to live. So I seek a spouse. But when you come to your wedding day, you have to grieve the loss of marrying anybody else in the world. That for a man, no other woman you will be with for the rest of your life. For a woman, no other man you will be with for the rest of your life. Even if down the road you meet somebody who would be a better partner than you, than the one you have. Why? What are you living for? The love that God will create in your marriage together. Admit what isn't imperfect, grieve what you lose, and move forward to what you're living for. We need to change. We need repentance because it's tied to hope, which we find in God. The small T traditions change. The little things will change continually in ourselves. We hold on to the things that don't. Why? Because Christmas is about change. The world changed when the Son of God became flesh, and he brought hope to the world. And so the question we can ask ourselves is what and how much am I willing to change for the sake of sharing in that hope that is given to me by God?